You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Isn't it so good to be among others who love Jesus? I just can't think of any place in the world where we gather and we're here for the sake of one another's benefit where we're here to encourage one another, challenge one another. I can't think of any other place in the world where you walk into a building and it's kind of like not only a family, but a team aspect. And for those of you who've ever played on sports, you know that your team is always by your side. And I just love coming to church. And I know that I'm biased, but I love my church and I believe it's the best church out there. Uh, So this morning we're going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we close out our series titled Roar. Everybody say Roar. With this series, we've been discussing that the church has a voice. As I've already mentioned, there is a cultural battle happening right now, which, um, as a side note, next Sunday we're going to spend five to ten minutes at the, be- at the beginning of our service kind of highlighting and discussing some things that are happening right now um, in our nation in light of COVID and making a couple mentions on what uh, this fall may look like. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a praying person, something good to uh, stir up your prayer life is this fall. In regards to COVID and it being an election year, um, my goodness, I I truly mean it. You watch the news for five to ten minutes and you need a prayer time. Am I right? You need a prayer time to get the heaviness off. Just the disunity and brokenness that's in our nation. And the reason why I mention this is because, please make no mistake, that these are symptoms of something spiritual. And so next Sunday, we're going to be kind of talking a little bit about this, what evangelism might look like. Uh, This fall, I've had a couple people approach me and ask me if we're going to be doing big outdoor events right now in the fall, such as our fall harvest, um, the one that we did last year. And as of right now, that is the plan. But my immediate response was, I'm honestly not sure. Um, it changes daily. Information changes daily. So we're going to talk a little bit about what witnessing looks like in light of all this. And I just want to throw this out there, and then I'm going to be done with this commercial and we'll move forward. Um, I do want to throw this out there that one of the easiest ways to witness that I've been hearing awesome testimonies about is to go on our Facebook page and click share on the messages. I cannot tell you how many testimonies have come our way where somebody was just searching through Facebook and it came up on their newsfeed. And I can't tell you how many times I've received messages over the past couple months of individuals sending in not only their prayer requests, but salvation's happening via online ministry. And so I want to encourage you, one of the easiest ways to witness right now is to just click share, not for our sake, but for the sake of reaching a world. Amen? Amen. So this morning we're talking about our series, roar. The church has a voice. And I believe that now more than ever, God wants to restore the voice of the church. And beyond that, I believe that right now, it is vital that the church has a voice. I believe that right now, it is imperative that the church doesn't shy away or back down from speaking truth, but speaks truth in love. I believe that now that God is molding and shaping the church to be more bold. Can I tell you that one of the things that I've seen come out of COVID, come out of all of the restrictions and disunity uh, that's taking place in our nation right now is the gift of perseverance to the church. It is a beautiful thing to be able to have a culture that is constantly hitting you, but you hit right back. 
I should have, that would have been a good place for an amen. Come on, somebody. Are y'all awake this morning? My espresso's kicking in and the Holy Spirit's speaking. I don't know about you. This morning we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit empowers us, enables our roar. I want to encourage you, if you have any questions or want to seek more information on this. There's two references that I want resources that I want to throw your way. The first is this: the Assemblies of God uh, website, ag.org, which discusses our doctrine and beliefs. And I also want to encourage you on ag.org, you will find links to a, a, a pastor named Tim Enlow, who specifically specializes in teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I do thank you, Bill. Yes. And so uh, I do want to uh, just throw this out there this morning that today, uh, I'm, some of my messages you'll find are more preachy, are more like, hey, let's get into it. Others are more conversational driven. Today, I want to have a conversation about you. Is that okay? with you? Is that okay? If we have a conversation? Awesome. You guys are great. So this morning, I, I, I want to first establish this. Everybody say, I am called. Each and every one of us are called to full-time ministry. Whether you realize it or not, that's your calling. The day that you came to know Jesus is the day that you received a purpose in life, and a part of your purpose is to do ministry here on earth. You and I are called. Whether you have the title pastor or not, if you have the title Christian, you're called. Everyone say, I am called. God has given you giftings. God has given you influence in specific areas of your life that I, as the pastor of C3, could never reach into, could never touch, but you are there for a purpose and a reason. And a part of that purpose and reason is because God wants to use you to reach the world around us. Make no mistake, you have a purpose in life, and a part of your purpose, aside from coming to know Jesus and growing closer to him, is to do his will, which is reaching a lost and broken world. And right now, friends, business is booming. One of the most impactful ministries that I remember being exposed to in, a, in, a, in the county that I grew up in as a teenager was a man named Mike, who was a full-time mechanic. And Mike just lived and breathed evangelism. It wasn't out of the ordinary for me to pull into Mike's shop and he was praying over someone. And whenever I'd ask him, Mike, did, did, did that person, did they know Jesus? He would often grin and go, they didn't, but they do now. That was just Mike's heart. Somebody would come in for an oil change, and while he changed the oil on their car, he's asking them these questions that prompted them and opened them up to a spiritual conversation. It was beautiful to sit back and watch Mike's ministry. Mike had a, a side business, roadside repair, where individuals would call this hotline, and he would take his tow truck and go and pick them up, and in the cab of his truck, he's witnessing to people. Mike just kind of had this natural, I just want to tell people in a non-invasive way about Jesus. And he had this gentle spirit. And a part of the reason why he had this gentle spirit is because Mike had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Mike just kind of would know what questions to ask. Mike wasn't afraid to, to say things such as, you know, I, I just feel like you're going through a lot right now in life. Is, is that true? And as the person's just begin to have tears come out of their, their eyes, and they would sit there and they would say, yes. And sometimes it, it didn't always go that way. Mike would ask if, if he could pray over them, and they would get offended and back away. But Mike always said this. He said, at least I walked away knowing that I was obedient. You and I are called. Your profession isn't who you are. That's what you do. 
Who you are is determined by who you are in Christ. If you know Christ, then a part of our mission here on earth is to be a witness. Make no mistake, you are called. Everybody say, I am called. And in order for you and I to live out of our purpose, accomplish our purpose, we need an empowerment that is beyond ourselves. Come on, somebody. We need a power that is beyond us, that is bigger than us. And the Holy Spirit comes into play in this topic because you'll find scripture after scripture where Jesus says, he doesn't say right off the bat, you will speak in other tongues. He says, you will receive my spirit and you will receive empowerment. There's an empowerment that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I believe right now the Lord is prompting us, the Holy Spirit is prompting us this morning to dive into because make no mistake, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the key to evangelism. It's biblical. So this morning I want to highlight some things about the Holy Spirit. First, there's two different dimensions of the Holy Spirit. First is that He works inward. When you and I receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit begin to reside in us. The Holy Spirit takes residence in us. And in this uh, dimension, the Holy Spirit helps us with uh, receive salvation. The Holy Spirit begins to work in us with these things called the fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us live a pure life. Notice that a lot of these benefits that come with the Holy Spirit are primarily ministering to us, that inward experience with the Holy Spirit. So this is the first dimension. The Holy Spirit helps us live a sanctified life. That means that a life that is different than the world, a life that is becoming more like Jesus. How many of you know that our culture needs that? How many of you know that the church needs that? So that's the first dimension of the Holy Spirit is he works inwardly. When you and I receive the Holy Spirit, and we do receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And friend, I just got to tell you this morning that if I were to neglect, if I were to neglect the topic of the Holy Spirit as a pastor, I'm cutting a person out of the Trinity. I can't hide that from a church. I can't hide my best friend the Holy Spirit, who led me through the darkest times of my life, who was with me in the best moments of my life. The Holy Spirit, I can't neglect the person who gave me the words to speak to teenagers and, all, and, 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 and see these teenagers when I was a full-time youth pastor receive Jesus Christ. I can't neglect that person. And I feel like all too often when we mention the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, ooh. And we kind of shy away and we're like, Pastor, let's just talk about Jesus. If you believe in the Trinity, I still am. And I can't cut the third person out of the Trinity out as if he doesn't matter. Because as we're already discussing, he does. Come on, somebody. So you'll notice the Holy Spirit's first dimension is he works in us. The second dimension is he works through us. Second dimension is he fills us to work outwardly. Luke 24, you will be clothed in the Holy Spirit. Specifically, the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is separate from the moment when we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, right? 
And then there's a second event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to discuss in just a moment. But this second dimension of the Holy Spirit is for an outward impact. Gifts of the Spirit flow through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's power in us and power through us. The gift is the power to witness. The byproduct is speaking in tongues. I'm going to say that again. The gift is empowerment. The byproduct is speaking in tongues. There's a misinterpretation of Scripture often where we say, receive the Spirit so you can speak in another language. And that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. The purpose and the reason why we seek this gift is for empowerment to reach the world around us. Acts 1, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, he being Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Fast forward into chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that once again, your promises are so unique. Because, Lord, you're faithful in your promises. Your promises is the worship song that we often sing is, is yes and amen. That if we read your promise, Lord, it will be done. There's no question of if or maybe or if I'm good enough. That doesn't even come into play. But, Lord Jesus, you hold true to your word and no word falls void that is spoken from you. So, Lord, I pray that your word would take root in our hearts and lives this morning. Do what only you can do. Have your way, Lord Jesus, we ask. And everybody said, amen. amen. So let's take a look at this scripture. What just happened? Many uh, theologians and philosophers argued that this was the birth of the church. That when this moment happened, that the church was created. Why? Because the church went from inward working to outwardly expressing and reaching the world. So let's break this down for just a moment. Jesus gives the most beautiful illustration between water and baptism of the Holy Spirit. First, baptize in water. Let's look at this for just a moment. Who is dunking you when you are baptized in water? Typically another believer, right? Which, by the way, I just want to pause on that. It's not just the pastor's job to baptize others. But if you are a believer, you're empowered and enabled. Moving forward. Baptize in water, it's another believer who baptizes you. And what, what is the outward expression of this? What happens? Well, you get wet. And we all understand that, first off, baptism without explanation is just dunking. And so I want to explain, baptize in water means what? That we are dead to our old ways, our sinful life, 
and we are made new. As we come up out of the water, we are, it is represented that we are made a new creation in Christ. So when we're baptized in water, it's another believer who is dunking us. And whenever we get baptized, we get wet. We're soaked. Baptized in the Holy Spirit who is dunking us. We believe that Jesus is dunking us in the Holy Spirit. And what is the side effect of this? Rather than getting wet, the Bible teaches us that you speak in an unknown language, meaning a language that you never learned on your own will, on your own power. And the outward impact of this, baptized in water, is mainly symbolism, right? But the impact of Holy Spirit baptism is receiving an empowerment to reach the world around us. The gift is the power to witness the byproduct of speaking in an unknown language. We don't seek baptism in the Holy Spirit to arrive spiritually. We don't look at Holy Spirit baptism as their first class citizens in heaven. They're going to get the bigger houses. They're going to get the uh, better status with Jesus. We don't look at spirit baptism like that. It's not biblical. But Holy Spirit baptism is simply this. It's an empowerment to do the will of God. That would be a good place to say amen. amen. So a super spiritual illustration that I want to open up this morning to you. Are you ready for this? I want to talk about donuts. Does anybody else like donuts? Thank you for the one amen. Thank you. There we go. All right. I want to talk about donuts for just a moment. And I did the right thing as a pastor. I stole this illustration from a man named Tim Enlow. And I love the way that Tim puts this. He says, first it's like this. Is anybody else out there a fan of filled donuts? You know what I'm talking about? Where's my Boston cream fans at? Uh-huh, that, you're my people. You know what that means? You are anointed. Oh, my word. Whoo! Whew. I can feel the anointing here now. When we, receive, when we receive Christ in our lives, it's like that empty donut. Meaningless. Purposeless. Getting filled with the good stuff. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. But with that, how many of you know that sometimes looking at a donut that has the jelly the Boston cream filling, you don't know what's in the donut until you bite into it. It's primarily inside, and it's affecting and leaking into the other areas of the donut from the inside. We recognize that the Holy Spirit works like this upon salvation. It's like somebody injecting that beautiful, anointed cream, whatever it is, to the inside of that donut. But then, when Holy Spirit baptism comes, are you ready for this? It's about to get crazy. It's like taking that filled donut and dunking it in chocolate. Come on, somebody. When the Holy Spirit, when, we're, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, He dunks us in His Spirit. Jesus being the He, dunks us in His Spirit. And isn't it beautiful? Have you ever got like chocolate donuts that were so saturated in chocolate that, follow me, it's about to get spiritual, that when you put them in the box of donuts with others, the chocolate rubs off on the other donuts. 
It's kind of how spirit baptism works. That as God dunks us in his Holy Spirit, we begin to impact the world around us by just like that chocolate rubbing off on the other donuts and making them different. So it is with Holy Spirit baptism. How many of you want a donut now? Praise God. Thank you, Jack. And I do just want to mention this. Many Christians miss out on the fact that there's more. We come into relationship with Jesus, which I don't mean to downplay that by any because salvation is still the primary event in a believer's life. But there's more. You're called to not only come to know Jesus, but become more like him. And I don't know if you've ever tried to become more like Jesus on your own will. It doesn't go well. But then he enables us through his Holy Spirit. You will receive power. And notice that in this scripture, and I know there's other belief systems that teach that there's an expiration date, so to speak, on this event. But friend, can I tell you that I still haven't found that. To the ends of the earth means earth has no end till Jesus comes back. And so until that point in time, how many of you know that this is a gift available for all of us? And the most beautiful thing about this is God doesn't go, oh, no, you're not as anointed as him, so he gets it. The Bible says that we ask. Many Christians miss out on the fact that there's more. And they miss out on the fact that God is calling them to make them a bigger impact than what they can imagine in the world around us. So let me put it this way. Fulfillment doesn't come by attainment. It comes by ministering to others. How many of you know that God has a bigger plan than us getting spiritually fat and happy and arriving safely at death? Come on, somebody. God has a bigger plan than that. God has a bigger plan than you and I just filling up, spiritually filling up, filling up, never pouring out, filling up, filling up, and now I've arrived safely at death. Praise God. He has more than that. He has an adventure awaiting in front of us. Amen, church? I said amen, church? Holy Spirit baptism is like taking the cream-filled donut and dunking it in the chocolate sauce. And I love donuts. The promise of spirit baptism is also, I want to make note, bigger than the book of Acts. Here's what I mean by that. The promise of spirit baptism goes all the way back through the Old Testament. For example, the gift was prophesied as early as Moses in Numbers 11. Moses discusses a day in which all of us will have a communication available to us with the Lord. All of us will be able to prophesy. It's mentioned as early as Moses. Samuel, David, Isaiah, Zechariah all mention the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of empowerment, the gift of prophecy being available to all and not just priests. How many of you are thankful for that? John the Baptist mentioned this event. Every gospel mentions the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But most importantly and primarily, Jesus prophesies this gift. How many of you know that when Jesus promises something, we should be paying attention? When you and I come across those beautiful red words in our Bible, it should cause us to listen up and draw our attention to what the Savior is saying. Anything that Jesus wants to give me, because I know his record of how awesome he is, I want. Amen? 
How many of you know that he's also worth trusting in? Holy Spirit baptism is biblical. Why do we need it today in 2020? (laughs) Why do we need baptism in the Holy Spirit in 2020? I could play you a video clip of last night's news highlights, but I don't want to depress you. We have an extremely lost, broken world around us. Everything that our culture is going through right now is symptomatic of something spiritual. The topic of racism, that is a demonic spiritual stronghold. The violence that we see in our country is evidence of spiritual brokenness, upset, rage, however you want to put it. Whether you are on the left or the right side of politics, both sides equally need Jesus. We need Jesus. Our culture needs Jesus. And in order to reach the world around us, which is far bigger than us, we need a higher power that is beyond us in which we draw our strength from, we draw our wisdom from, we draw you name it from. That's what the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was intended for. Mike, would you come? God's will for your life in general is to be, to be a witness is too big for you to accomplish on your own. God's will cannot be accomplished in your life by your own ability. His will is bigger than us, friends. When he says, go into all the world and preach the good news, oh man, he just hit the disciples with a major reality check. Those words, as we've mentioned before, Jesus had always been with the disciples in physical form up to this point. And then he drops a truth bomb where if I'm a disciple and all I had ever known is seeing Jesus physically and now he tells me that he's going to heaven, he's leaving me here on earth and he's taking this huge goal and initiative to reach the world and bestowing it upon me, I'm going to be scared. How can I ever do anything remotely like what you're calling me to do? But then he gives this promise. And he begins to teach the disciples, wait, there's a gift that I'm sending you that's going to help you accomplish all this. The gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is coming. Wait. What a beautiful, comforting reminder that God does not only call me to accomplish impossible things with His help, of course, but He provides me the means to do it. And He provides all of us with the ability to do the very things that He's called us to do. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is functional outside of the church. It enables us to accomplish God's mission. Who is the gift for? Who gets this gift, Pastor? All who have received Jesus in their hearts. 
I just want to remind us this morning that salvation is the supreme status-setting event in a person's life. There's no other event that we read about in the Bible where angels rejoice. It doesn't say that every time somebody gets filled, angels rejoice. It doesn't list this incredible event in anywhere else in Scripture. But it says that any time that somebody receives Jesus Christ in their heart, that the angels rejoice. That's a pretty important event, friend. And I would just want to encourage you this morning, if you're kind of looking around and you're saying, Pastor, I don't see any of these signs and wonders that the Bible talks about. I haven't seen a a leopard healed. I haven't seen a, a, a lame person walk. Can I tell you to look at the miracle of salvation that's still happening today? Where Jesus takes all of our faults, where Jesus takes our corrupt, sinful state, where Jesus looks at us and our hopelessness and our dismay, where Jesus looks at us and we are having we are on this on this kind of train track to eternity and hell and damnation, and he removes it, that's a sign and wonder. When Jesus restores hope, when Jesus gives us a bigger purpose than ourselves. He's still doing miracles. And make no mistake, and maybe this is something we'll have to do in the upcoming weeks, I could show you testimony after testimony after testimony that Jesus is still opening up deaf ears. He's still making the blind to see. He's still making the lame to walk. My last year in youth ministry had this girl who was deaf, relied on hearing aids. She had lost more than 95% of her hearing. She responded to an altar call. There's just something about when God calls us out of our comfort zone and we obey, he meets us. I don't know how else to explain it. When he calls us out of the boat, he meets us. When he calls us onto the battlefield, there's a giant, he meets us. When he tells us to wait in an upper room and it doesn't make sense to everyone, he meets us. And this girl responds to an altar call and I remember the evangelist, there wasn't any crazy, be healed! He just walked over, said, Lord, if it be your will, touch this, touch this girl. Didn't even know her need. She begins to weep, takes out her hearing aids. begins to look and says, Pastor, I can hear. She goes back to school and begins to tell everyone what God did. She begins to tell her friends, goes to the guidance counselor, said, you got to know something. I can hear. Goes to the doctors to make sure that she has medical evidence. Doctors say full hearing has been restored. Carries that paper around like a testimony. My God is still in the business of doing miracles. My God is faithful to his promises. And when he gives us a gift, I want it. How do I receive this gift? I'm not ready to receive this yet, Pastor. I'm struggling. 
Can I address that real quick? If you're struggling with your relationship with Jesus, you're the perfect candidate to receive this gift. If you're struggling at all, you're the perfect candidate. If life is going great, happy, sunshine and rainbows, you're the perfect candidate for this gift. How do I receive? You just ask. You just ask. It's a beautiful experience. I know that there's a common teaching that says, you lose all control and you pass out and you wake up and it's great. No. Heretical. The Bible teaches us that the spirit is subject to the prophet, which means that we're in control. And here's the beautiful thing. You You begin to experience this, right? Awesome things are happening, but it's so beautiful that you don't want it to stop. You can, if you want, shut that off immediately. Stop right there. But to be in his presence in this dimension is so beautiful. I promise you from my own personal experience, you don't want it to stop. It's a beautiful experience. It doesn't get crazy. Am I going to be required to scream? And No. No. Just ask. And here's what ends up happening is when you and I begin to ask and take your time receiving this gift, if, if you respond to this altar call today, if you don't and it's something that you want to study more, I respect that. There's no pressure this morning. How many of you know that, my goodness, we can't pressure people into the gifts of God? I know that that sounds like duh, but there's people out there. I want to encourage you, if you have questions about this, the book of Acts, just turn there first. And as we close, I I just want to discuss this before we open up the altar, and I want to throw out to my my board members, and uh, if I can also, whenever we have the altar call, if, if Judy and Sue could come up there for for prayer as well. That would be great. But how how do we receive this gift? Well, you ask and this crazy thing happens. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit begins to kind of give you these syllables. You just kind of feel them on the tip of your tongue and then you just speak it. And you begin to just be baptized in this Holy Spirit. I feel like we've, we've made this experience so mystical in churches. But it's really that simple. You ask, you begin to just feel like there's these promptings to just speak, and then that's it. And the most beautiful thing about this gift is that it's functional outside of this church. Tim Enlow tells the story of how when he was 13, 14 years old and he receives this gift, he goes to the anointed place, a gas station called 7-Eleven. He's out at 7-Eleven, and there's a woman who's looking at the, the chip aisle, and she's struggling. She's going through something. She's crying. She's maybe in her 30s, 40s. He's a teenager, 13, 14 years old, and he notices this woman is struggling. He had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit a couple days, and he, I love it how honest he is. He said, I looked at that woman. I said, okay, God, I'm going to test this out teenagers. I love it. So he goes over to this woman and he asks if he can pray over. He says, man, is everything okay? Can can I pray with you? She lashed out at him. 
scream no. Sometimes it's not this beautiful, she said yes, and bam, that was it. It doesn't always happen like that, and that's okay. Because at least you walk away knowing that you were obedient. And so he walks away and he says, I was just shocked. I was like, Jesus, I'm never doing that again. He goes, and the Holy Spirit prompted me again. He said, I want you to just go over, just offer her comfort. So he goes over and he tells the woman, I just want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. I want you to know that God has an incredible plan for your life. And what you're going through right now, he's with you. This woman begins to weep and says, I would really like it if you pray over me. And this 13, 14-year-old boy leads her to Christ at the 7-Eleven chip aisle. That's what Holy Spirit empowerment looks like. That's how practical it is. Over the next three months, Tim would go on to lead more than 63 people to salvation in Jesus Christ outside of the church walls. Come on, somebody give some praise over that. That's just how practical it is to operate in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He gives us a boldness that I can't explain to you. It's a beautiful gift. Beyond Tim Enloe, as much as I respect his ministry, once again, one of our Assemblies of God guys, there's noticeable differences in behaviors even all the way back to the New Testament. We see Peter who denies Jesus three times and of course he receives boldness upon seeing Jesus physically resurrected and I get that but something changed in Peter before Holy Spirit baptism and post we had this man who was once afraid and timid and now he's going out into the streets and he's putting the Pharisees in place people who are held by legalism and you have to act good to get into heaven and they have these these horrible scriptural uh, uh, misconceptions misinterpretations and then you have you have Peter who goes out and it's the most beautiful thing because he not only begins to address them but the Bible says that he goes out into the streets and starts preaching the Bible is so like casual about some things right it's just like if 3,000 were added to the church that day I can't even get my two kids to do what I want 3,000 come on there's noticeable differences in the scripture before Holy Spirit baptism and after I'm going to end with this before we open up the altars and I'm going to ask that we kind of dim the light so that we can have our own privacy to what God is speaking to us. I was 12 years old whenever I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to respond to an altar call at a kid's camp. And I remember responding to this altar call just saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you ask, Whatever you want to do in me and through me, whatever it is. And I remember walking up and just simply asking. I remember somebody coming up to me and saying, do you want to receive this gift? This gift that will help you witness to your friends? And I just remember automatically saying, yes. If it's from God, I want it. If it helps me reach the world, I want it. It's that simple. 
And I remember as they began to just pray over me, they, they encouraged me and they just said, keep telling God, you know, that, that you love him and that, you, that whatever he wants, we, they heard my prayers and I'm just kind of sitting there going, God, I just, whatever you want to do in my life and through my life. And they just kept going, Donnie, just keep, keep telling him that, man. And so I remember as I'm praying and I, I start praying and I, my prayer, I just start kind of speaking really faster and my mouth's kind of getting dry. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. And I remember like, it kind of felt like I was getting really hyper and excited and then just all of a sudden a calm and peace began to wash over me and I just remember my prayer language something that I was never taught as a 12 year old boy started to just flow a part of my testimony is I've never been drunk I don't know what that's like I've never been high I was a virgin till marriage and the only testament that I can attribute that to is the Holy Spirit empowered me every step of the way. And please understand, growing up being friends with one of the biggest drug dealers in the Pittsburgh area, at any moment, whatever I wanted, I could have had it. I give all the credit to the Holy Spirit. It was him at every party that I attended that said no. It was him every time Satan threw temptation at me that I was able to say no. And don't get me wrong, I'm not standing here saying I'm perfect. I have my downfalls and that's a story for another day. But I'm just telling you, he's my best friend. He was there at my wedding day. He was there in the hardest times that I've ever been through. He was there when my babies were born. He was there last night. He was there every car ride I take out of this place. He's my best friend, and he'll be yours too. Would you stand to your feet this morning, church? Prayer team, would you come forward? If I can have our prayer team, thank you. Awesome, awesome church, just like we open up this service by mentioning that God is often motion activated. He'll call us to do something. He calls us into a place of surrender. Sometimes as soon as we immediately respond by surrendering, he meets us there, whatever it may be. God is often motion activated. The second that you get out of your comfort zone, I promise you that you're sending yourself up to experience his presence in a new way. So here's what I want to do this morning. Can I just tell you that this place up here, this flooring, is a beautiful place to be. And the reason why I say that is because when we respond to an altar call, please understand the symbolism behind this. The altar in the New Testament was a place of sacrifice. In order for the priests to satisfy the things of God. Another sermon for another day, but follow me on this. A sacrifice had to be made for penalties. A sacrifice had to be made. To have a deeper connection with Him, a sacrifice had to be made. To experience His presence, a sacrifice had to be made. We could go through the list. God is still calling us to a place of sacrifice that just looks different. Rather than a physical sacrifice, he's asking us to give him our hearts. And thank God 
So I want to encourage you today. We're not just praying over, if you feel prompted and you want this gift, I would love to pray with you personally. But today we're going to open up the altar for whatever the Holy Spirit's leading you to pray about. It's biblical to join with somebody in prayer. I'm not even going to go down that road because there's too many scriptures to pull from. Prayer is a part of what we do as a church. And so I just want to encourage you, if there is any need of any kind on your heart, if you're going through something, if culture has been weighing you down, if you need help in the workplace, if you have burdens, if you stubbed your pinky toe last night, we want to join with you in prayer. And the reason why we join up here is because it symbolizes a place of sacrifice. Isn't that beautiful? It symbolizes that, Lord, I'm coming to a place where it's not about me. I'm coming to a place where I give my life to you to the fullest extent. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray over us. And Mike's going to begin to kind of lead us in this worship song that just says, Jesus, you're the center of it all. You're the center of my life. And I would encourage you, if the Holy Spirit's leading you to maybe just come up here and worship because it symbolizes a place of surrender, a place of sacrifice, do it. Don't leave this place with any thought that says, I wish I would have. Because friends, sometimes one response is the breakthrough to something that God is introducing us to. Is this making sense this morning? I don't ever want to pressure somebody into an altar response, but I do want to provide the reason as to why we still today in 2020 believe in altar calls. Because God still meets us at the place where we're vulnerable and uncomfortable. And we say, God, I am yours. Amen, church? So in just a moment, I'm going to pray over us. When I say amen, I'm going to encourage you. The altars are going to be open. We have men and women here available to pray over whatever need is going on in your life. Maybe you need strength, empowerment, perseverance. Maybe the fruits of the, of the spirit are kind of lacking and you're feeling that, you know, uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forbearance, and so on and so forth. Maybe that's lacking. You want more of that? That's awesome. We would love to pray over you with that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we love you so much. There is truly no one like you. We thank you that you're true to your promises, and as it's already been stated, your word never falls void. Never. You are not a liar. You are not a manipulator. Therefore, your word is true. And Father, we thank you so much that you are still the God of restoration. You are still our healer. You are still our hope. You are still our foundation. You are still our victor. You are still our source of strength. You are still our source of peace. You are still the God who goes beyond our understanding. You are still the God of supernatural things that we can't explain. You are still the God who can restore nations that turn to you. You are still the God that can restore purity in and through our lives. You are still the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So Lord Jesus, I pray that as your Holy Spirit leads your church right here, right now in this place to respond however it may be, I pray that you would give each individual a boldness to follow where you're leading us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said... This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.